0: Chemical Goat. Today we are going to touch on a subject that I am all about—the inner mother—and with that comes lots of different parts. Um, but for me, um, I've had a very interesting childhood and upbringing, and mother—the the mother wound in particular played a huge role. And I know for you, Jessica, you've had your own mother stuff. And I kind of feel like we sort of all have. Um, We went to brunch on Sunday with some girlfriends and that came up. I think you had already either. You, I think I left. You had just left and we went into it for a while and it was like, oh yeah, this is why I do this work. (laughs) All of these, all of us, um, especially as we've all become mothers, I think a lot of this stuff comes up. Um, and I think one of the best like ways to kind of go into why I do inner mother work in alchemical hypnotherapy in particular is because of what we have been raised to expect. Mm -hmm. Um, Mothers to be, so the mother archetype, right? The the idea that we have this idealized version of motherhood. They're you know supposed to be nurturing and selfless, and and um, they protect and they provide, and they're they're you know always available, always available for all the things, and what the sort of downside of that or the other side of that coin is like the mother that is like, well, I actually kind of would prefer to focus on my career or I actually have a life outside of being a mother. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, whatever other work that they do or, you know, this also plays into sexuality. Like moms aren't supposed to be sexualized, right? Right. Like (laughs) there's like a whole thing about that. So you know, we have these examples of, like, the archetype mother of, you know, the Virgin Mary and Gaia and Isis and all of these goddesses. And um, and then
1: we're all expected to live up to those. Well, and also, <laughs> like, just astrologically speaking, they don't have very many... Like, there's so many male gods. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think yeah. pretty much we could consider them all non-binary at this point. Yeah. But... But traditionally, the divine feminine is, is ruled by Venus and the moon. Mm-hmm. And that's our thing. It's She's either like this like sexualized version yes. or she's this like, you know, very giving, loving, nurturing. And there's like no in between in that until yeah. they just started, started discovering the asteroids. And then there were other versions of this sort of divine feminine, which mm-hmm. had to do with like, you know, agriculture and nice. hunting, and, you know, there's, like, Artemis is very, like, um, asexual, yeah. she wasn't really into having a partner, mm-hmm. at least not in the traditional form, so then we get more into, or, or like, Juno, the, the goddess of marriage, so mm-hmm. then there's, there's more, um, look, we can look more at the diversity of being yeah. a woman, but yeah. traditionally... We were limited by these two versions of us. Mm -hmm. So either you fit into the mother or the maiden. You were the Madonna or the whore. Right. Right. But, you know, where is that old witchy, Mm -hmm. you know, the the crone, the one that's seen it all, been there, done that. They pretty much tried to take that out of our collective conscious because that is where we gain our power. Yeah. And that power is important. And also this is, I feel like what, you know, your mother wound kind of really entails is this cutoff we have from ourselves and our potentials and our possibilities based on a society that's very patriarchal. We're very much into the male, you know, even women who are successful have these male tendencies. They have these 10th house satirian. in order to be successful, you have to be loud, you have to be, or, or you're told not to be. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's very it's like parts of it are very like be this way and then other parts are like, but don't.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, it's this constant struggle. Constant push and pull. And so what you know what I'm finding is that when women come into do sessions, and I, I'm gonna say it's it's mostly women, I mean men obviously have wounding from other stuff
1: too as children you know I think honestly their mother wound is deeper yeah I think it's one of those it things that be... isn't going to be addressed maybe at this time because yeah. that's so deep like, it's and by raising a son yeah I see his need for me yeah. and I'm thinking of all of the son's previous generations yeah. that didn't get that love and that they they felt very vulnerable yeah. and so then it caused them to harden up so much into society where mm-hmm. they were told you can't you can't need a woman you can't right. need this energy this nurturing stuff you need to be really hardcore so i feel like th- it exists so much yeah it that does. it's going to be a, a long time for us to heal ourselves let alone allow men the space, but they're starting to cry in public. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot more, there's a, some movement. softening,
0: there's some softening happening in the, the male psyche as a whole. Right. And, and I think like you said, it's when you're raising boys in this world now, um, I, I really, there's a lot around making sure that they are allowed to feel their emotions. Sure. Um, and remembering that it it's, it's okay to, like, I have an 11-year-old and he's on this cusp of like being a teenager and not wanting to deal with me. Like today he had me actually turn down the music, turn down the radio as we pulled up to school. This is really loud. You need to turn this before he opened the door. <laughs> Sorry. It was such a, it was such a moment of like. No, he's embarrassed. This is so fun. Um, <laughs> how can I, how I know I, I mean? was like, Ooh, I wish I was playing something more f- like, I, know, I need to put some hip hop. I on need right some now. really good nineties hip hop on there right now. But, <laughs> but so like there's this, he's, you know, struggling with his autonomy. And then also he comes in last night and wants to cuddle. Of course, you know, of mm-hmm. course he's as tall as me now. And like, it's like, okay. But really trying to guide this next generation of future men,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, in, and, you know, we're lucky in that he has a little sister. And so we're, there's the dynamic of, you know, how do you treat your little sister? How do you treat women in your life? Right. Right. How do you treat me? How do you treat your sister? Like, where is the, you know, your, your, when we say no, when we have Right. body autonomy ourselves and we go, we don't want to be hugged right now. We don't want you to do that to us right now, you know, and listening, learning how to listen. Also
1: and- equating how you treat your sister or you would want your sister be, to be treated, treated with, with how you treat yes. other women in your life, yes. you know, and I think just not to go so far into it, but yeah. it is a big topic right now, especially mm-hmm. what's going on in the Supreme court and in the yeah. States, Yeah, you know, where people are, like taking away women's rights and then also like don't you have any mothers don't you have sisters don't you have women in your life that you respect and that you think are you know capable of making decisions on their own yeah versus like they just want to tell them what to do
0: yeah yeah
1: and I and I feel like this is huge for our sons coming up of seeing women as people Exactly, And not these like objects of things that they can tell what to do. And
0: this is where, you know, and this is where that, that inner mother comes into play because what happens is because of just the way, and, and, and you don't mean to perpetuate it literally. I mean, Carl Jung says that, you know, we're just, we're born to look at whoever that mother figure is in front of us and think they're, they're magic. Right. And they're divine and they're going to bring me all my love and safety, which is a valid point as a baby and a toddler and a small child, you know, that's learning how to navigate the world. That is your safety point. Right. That is what a mother does. But what happens is mothers then have been taught that that's the only thing that they are right Mm -hmm. or can be or should be. And then they're resentful about it because yes, they are human. They are hunters and agricultural people, farmers, and out there doing things. Birth
1: thing, right? Where you
0: are now, you are just that's all. But you're also shamed, right?
1: So like, so like I see these two dichotomies happening where women go on there and be like, well, mothers are lazy if they don't do this, this, and this, right? And yet there's this whole other thing where we're going to force you into this. So if you can't afford it or if you don't have the mental capacity or whatever, it's it, it's so hard to navigate that. Even as a mom yeah. who potentially has kids and, and already made the choice and had mm-hmm. a choice at the time, still we're exhausted. Yeah. From trying to keep up with this ideology this, that all of us have to do at the same, yeah, and that you know what, and that's the thing is like I go back and forth on like trying to defend that because I'm I'm not doing all of the things that those mm-hmm. mothers are doing, but I'm also recognizing that my kids are critical thinkers, yeah. that they are kids who can you know look out for themselves more so, they are trusted, they're they've got independence. Mm-hmm and mm-hmm. i find that to be really important too. So there's yeah. a balance between that, but i certainly don't want to judge other people that are like, you know what i need to have a tighter grip on this and yeah. i need to make sure i'm i'm in everything and that's fine. Just like what i'm doing is fine, just like what you're yeah. doing is fine I mean, because we're, all, we're not we don't have cps at our door right? Being like you I mean you're we're all mom. doing
0: it's just we're all doing the best we can. Like mothers are just doing the best they can. The what i think The issue is, is the way our culture and society has told us that somehow there's a perfect way to do it. Uh And then if you're not doing it, quote unquote, perfectly, the people around you get to judge you. And there's this automatic infighting between moms, this automatic judgment between moms in particular. And, and, you know, I think we were talking about this, about the idea that there's there, it's like, there's so few resources or something mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there's not enough for all of us or that we can't all just, cause what happened, what they're trying to do is keep us all fighting. Sure. If all the women are fighting or, are or judging each other, then we're not coming together and, you know, out there protesting for the fact that we don't have this, we don't have that. And now we're, you know, don't have a well, body. I don't know autonomy. About you,
1: but nothing in me thinks it's okay that we have a formula shortage and that we're not advocating for fixing it like immediately. It's right. And, and, and I don't want to see, see, and this is another sort of this issue where it's like you do it a certain way. And then the resources don't necessarily filter down the same way. Mm-hmm. So it's better. You're like, well, I did it so yeah. everybody can do it. Right. Not, necessarily recognizing that people have different socioeconomic backgrounds that may or may not be their fault there are plenty of moms who only make minimum wage who went to college it wasn't because they're lazy or because they didn't apply it's because that's what the job is paying and they have kids to support so they didn't have the opportunity or they can't they don't have the ability to go out and work in San Francisco mm-hmm. or wherever, whatever major city you live next to. they don't
0: want to. And this is the well, thing. Well, they want is to like, be there for their kids. Where Exactly. So where it's like, I mean, this could go into so many. We could go into a full, all of women, unequal pay. Like all of it. All yeah. of it. Uh, you know, no paid family leave or there's a little not paid family leave, but maternity leave, right? Where you get to. Go and spend like in Europe, where they give six months to. I think in France, it's a year, maybe even more. Sure, yeah. And they even have people. Last I remember, I watched something about this, and they have like nannies or people that come and check on you in your year off in your maternity, like nurses that just come and check. And be like, what do you need? Are you sleeping right now? Yeah. Like, what can I help you with? How can I? Right. Uh, you know, they're they because they recognize. That in those first months, I mean, you know, it's, it, the babies are learning that they're, they're making those connections, right? With their, there's that bonding with their mother and, and how important that is to the development of children so then that goes into the development of a toddler and then that goes into the development i mean in in california you know we have this whole idea of the first five right so it's like get your kid in preschool Mm -hmm. we like make sure all the kids go to preschool but that's still just like it's like such a bare minimum like we just do the bare minimum in this country and it's like we really don't give a fuck about our kids And so now those kids that nobody gave a fuck about, they're in my practice, right? Going, um, well, I didn't have nurturing for my mother. I didn't have someone to hold me when I was hurt. I had a lot of, you know, well, you're fine. Brush it off. Oh, you, you don't, you're crying. I'll give you something to cry about. Right. right? Well, and
1: that was generational though. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of mothers now, like, well, we're, they're trying, but the
0: problem is, is they, they are trying to be better and they are better. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say overall that every generation gets better. Right. And
1: I think they swing over to the opposite side though. Because That's there's the, thing. the helicoptery, That's the helicopter-y pa- moms, part of it right? where it's like, you know, I can't let you have any yeah. sort of because problem. they were
0: so, and and we know these people, right? I have so many friends that were really messed up as children and and teenagers and their parents weren't around or they just didn't give a like whatever, right? right. They didn't give a shit what their kids were doing. And then our friends are out doing things. And so they know how bad it it could get. Right. It's, it's kind of like we all, I mean, I know, I mean, I was not that bad of a kid, but I also know how easy it was to go out and get high and go out and sneak out. Right. Go out and, and, and be with weird guys and, bad situations right. and like we will, well, you we didn't all take did care
1: it. of yourself. Well, and I want to say Gen X, right? Like mm-hmm. latchkey kids yeah. who didn't have the, per, like couldn't because our parents were out working and they didn't do the daycare stuff. Right. Like right. we do now where it's, and, and like funny enough that it was probably more affordable when they were, <laughs> it was probably yeah. more like potential to do it because it wasn't like 40 bucks for like an hour yeah. of care yeah, I don't know if it's that expensive, but it's pretty expensive. You know where it's like it doesn't even make sense for yeah. some for for lower you to, income yeah. to try to I've do it. I've been
0: there where I went and had a job and I was making the same as my freaking nanny.
1: Right. And it's insane because now <laughs> you're just, just like, so and then dumb. you've got to pay taxes to yeah. the government. Yeah. And then now you're giving now, it with, yeah. at less than what you do. <laughs> and they're making great money, which is like, why am I not switching Why well, I'm like, no. maybe
0: I need to be a nanny. There was like a point where yeah. I was like, and I I did, I did. I would take care of oh, people's kids I all saw, the time. Cause I, I decided to be a stay at home mom for a I couple I saw a years. job
1: the other day. It was insane. It was like. I'm not qualified to do this and I've raised kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They want, I mean, I'm like, Oh, you, Oh, am I supposed to ask if you've had CPR training? Like this is what, this is what happens when Gen X people become parents. We're like, Oh, are you supposed to like be trained? Inst- oh, I would never have thought because nobody was trained CPR around us. Like we were just, we were out swimming as children I was breaking into pools in apartment buildings, climbing fences with my friends, and nobody was around. And like we were, you know, ten, mm-hmm. and I mean, we can all swim, but like maybe somebody drowns. Right. <laughs> like,
1: well, we that do? would that would probably happen right? nowadays,
0: though. So. <laughs> um. Anyway, <laughs> it's it's kind of we're really, but we really are doing a better job, right? But it's like what you were saying before we we started recording about the idea that we're, we are holding in our bodies the, you know, because we were eggs in our mother's womb while she was growing in her mother. So we were eggs in our grandmother, right? right? And we are holding this generations of what, you know, trauma and and sadness and pain and struggle and and i mean within that you know and we i know that you know because we're both kind of the shadow side and like yeah but we also celebrate i think for me i know personally i celebrate my grandparents culture because they were like my one grandmother came here from poland right Mm -hmm. my other grandmother was bo- first generation italian like born here right but i also in a weird way am connected to their their culture and their their history and and that i think it's important to focus on the positive a little bit too right what what do we get from you know that That vibe of when they were, you know, they were in their, I don't know, the 30s, 20s, 30s. I don't know. When was your grandmother like a a 20 year old?
1: Probably. I don't even, I think 50s probably. Yeah, maybe. Because I think both my grandmothers were born in the 30s.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right.
1: I'm so disconnected from them though in a weird way. See, but
0: that's so interesting because 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 so when I what's funny is when I do this this work with people and we do start trying to build an inner mother so that they have like that connection. It's almost like we're re the idea is that you're reparenting yourself. Right. Right. So you go and you find and this is like the homework that I give people. I'm like, go out and i want you to really think about qualities in women, mothers, people that you know or don't know, fictional, not like i've had people that are like straight up take characters from, you know, June Cleaver was one. Right? Right? Like who in their mind was an ideal mother? Who was it that they needed? And you can take like pick and choose these these characteristics, but when you begin to build that inner mother, a lot of the women actually take care, take characteristics of their grandmothers, mm-hmm. which is so interesting because you're like, this is a generational thing. Like your grandma probably wasn't very nice to your mom, <laughs> right?
1: Well, but she was yeah.
0: lovely to you because you're her granddaughter no, or whatever.
1: That, that's actually not
0: accurate. Not in your case.
1: Well, my grandmother was very... She was very... Uh, She was Mormon. She's very devout Mormon. And I was the black sheep. And so, Uh, right. So, and I didn't believe in Mormonism at all. Yeah. And all of my cousins were sort of indoctrinated in that. So there are a few of us. Yeah. And I probably was the loudest, most vocal because I was one of the first born. I have a ton of cousins. I was going to say, when you say cousins, you make, it, I I get the sense that you've got like 30 cousins. <laughs> more, probably more. Yeah. And ones that I've never yeah. even met. Yeah. That kind of thing. And so like there's families of big families
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and I'm very out on the outside. I think they've tried to bring me back a little in the last couple of years, but there's just a disconnect. And it's the same on my dad's side. My dad was born in New Jersey and he just didn't see eye to eye with his parents and mm-hmm. so i i kind of spent a month with them when i was 19 but that was really my only thing although i do identify more with my dad's family yeah than my
0: mom's well because they were the ones they probably there's the recognized
1: well and even though they're different they're the same Yeah, You know, you can kind of, I feel like a lot of my mannerisms, like, you know, certain parts of me really come from my dad's Mm -hmm. side more than my mom's. But my mom, on the other hand, is a little bit different than that because she's where I got my astrology and and my dad too. But my mom is like a lot of the things that I'm interested in, crystals, healing. She broke away from the Mormon religion before anything See, and this is the the
0: idea is like... Every generation, we are getting better in that we are standing in our truth. We are doing what and calls I want to say, us. I have
1: I have to say that after kind of viewing it from this holistic part, I didn't realize how much my mom would have to be different to be able to break away from yeah that religion specifically because they really do a good job, job of, in- of keeping you in there right and yeah. indoctrinating you but my yeah. mom was so different from the beginning she takes after my grandfather my grandfather had like pyramids on his front yard how him and my grandmother stayed together was because my grandmother was religious and my grandfather pretty much figured out that it was not for him pretty early on and then started really th- he was a mm-hmm. spiritual thinker and mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. created his own business and he was this like, and I really feel like my lineage is more mm-hmm. that, which is really weird because it's, it's male. almost,
0: I mean, that is very, you know, that pendulum, but like within your own family, like right. that's an interesting, it is, it's a tract, I guess. Right. Well,
1: <laughs> and I think that this is the way in which, you know, we talk about the cycle breakers. We talk about yeah. people who are born in family lineages, mm-hmm. lineages. To break off from yeah. that. And there's sort of that in that own family. Because I could almost say that he had Freemasonry tendencies. Yeah. You know, very kind of secret. Uh, but I don't know how far that goes. Yeah. I know that one day I got really interested in that. Um, and I kind of went down this whole rabbit hole with like who he was. Mm-hmm. Because he couldn't, as a person that was in a Mormon family, raising a Mormon family, my grandmother pretty much held that. Yeah. It was like, this is the thing. I'm teaching my kids this. Now, he was excommunicated. Yeah. So, you know, and he was finding the secret information. Did from your the grandparents momentary. stay together their whole lives? Yes. Until I'm my grandmother sorry. passed away. Did they get along? No. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> I guess that's the oh. real question here. Like, they could be married, but did they get along, right? I Oh, mean, my it's...
1: grandfather was very... Like, even though I'm, like, making him... He's, he's an interesting... Right thing. He was he was sort of a narcissist. He was very much like, and And he pushed everybody
0: away. Right, but in that he because he's you know that was a good survival technique for that because he was able to be like I don't care, right? I don't care what you
1: do. Also, I I think it really pushed the people that were have Mormon tendencies in my family Mm -hmm. towards my grandmother more because she was the normal one. Yeah, except with the exception of my mom. Yeah, and. I think there might be, like, my aunt, but she passed away, so it's mm-hmm. hard. She, but she wasn't Mormon. Okay. So, and then we had another aunt that that's not necessarily Mormon, but has Mormon tendencies. So, when
0: you did your... Did you do any inner mother work when you did your alchemical training?
1: Actually, I had a very profound experience because, I, you know, just to be honest, and my dad's here, so... But I, I went oh, well, in there, they're... I was like, I'm firing both my parents. <laughs> Uh, cause that's what you do. You yeah. fire them. And, you know, yeah. and, and when I went in to talk to, cause my mom is really the, the thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to get some, you know, inner strength or whatever. Yeah. So I went in and, uh, I lost, I lost a sister when I was 10. And, um, when I went to see my mom on the ethereal plane to have this like deep conversation, you know, because I was going to fire her or fix it or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Yeah. And, and I really thought in my mind that this is the way it was going to go. But this is what it's, I love about this work. It never, never goes the she... way that you think. Yeah. Because I went in there and my sister was there in front of my mom. Mm. And it. I literally, at step three going down, started just bawling my eyes yeah. out because I knew she was there. I have this thing where I get premonitions of who's going to be behind the door yeah. before I make it. Yeah. So I just kind of knew she was there and I basically cried through the whole session and it really became this healing work between me and my sister. Yeah. And this sort of bond of like her being a helper. Then it came about right. my
0: mom. Well, her your sister being a helper? or your Yeah. Like I
1: didn't helper. have this connection because here's the thing. My sister was born very sick. Mm-hmm. She wasn't supposed to live a year. She lived five years. And I guess in my mind, when we have people who don't have, like, she didn't ever talk or walk or anything, mm-hmm. it was harder for me to see her as a soul. Yeah. That which sounds sense. horrible, but no, but like, it, it was because yeah. I was so young. And yeah. so I didn't form any connection with her. Like I might have had I known her,
0: uh, mm.
1: like as a. Right. Talking and you know version. and
0: interestingly enough though it's like she was a a a, a prolific part of your life yeah sure. and yet you didn't have a bond so it's weird because she's made she she affected your life in a absolutely. very big way
1: absolutely but yes.
0: like you never had that real closure those conversations those any of that even connection what felt like
1: connection right that there's you, a lot of guilt too yeah. From not, yeah. well, you know, not, not being able to fix it, to, not right, being able right. to know her as a person, right. I
0: guess, not being able to. So you definitely got some closure on that. That must have felt really freaking it, awesome.
1: Well, and it was very cleansing and honestly, like, it's sort of forging me with the spirit world now Mm -hmm. you know that there's Mm -hmm. this connection I'm I'm not going to say that every day I can but I do I have felt and because I'm doing some new meditation stuff Mm -hmm. that I'm way closer to like not letting my brain get in the way of stopping that yeah but one thing that I realized as I was doing that whole thing like the fact that I was so emotional yeah I have been more emotional in the last two years, I will say. But I don't cry like that. Yeah. And I literally cried, like I said, from step three down to the bottom when my sister and I, you know... And then it was like, like we were the the same. Mm -hmm. She told me, like, we're forged together. Like, they're... Like, Mm -hmm. sort of like we're both... Like, I'm living the life, like, for her, in a sense. Yeah. And that... There's a lot deeper connection. And I always knew that there was, but you can know something subconsciously and intrinsically without utilizing it consciously or thinking about it on a daily basis kind of thing. But I think that brought me back to the fact of like, I have been connected to spirit, the spirit Mm -hmm. world, since she passed and maybe even before. I mean, I had a really interesting thing when I was little about that. So Mm. I was very connected to that realm and the the real essence of spirit which is like no matter what you are in this physical body you are not that in the spirit so
0: did so at that point like none of the stuff with your mom ever like really played out was it like oh well we have this woman as our mom why why do why is she here was it like was there any conversation?
1: With her, I mean, the, I think when I saw my sister standing in front of her, it really, it was, it was I mean, like, it, it, this it, is
0: where I'm supposed to focus.
1: But, well, yeah. it's symbolically is exactly what I knew is that yeah. my mom is sort of, you know, she's had this tragedy happen, which mm-hmm. for most women, if you lose a child, it's, you never heal from that. Yeah. And so yeah. I think, you know, there can be a lot to be said about, like, more compassion yeah. and more love for my mom well, having to have dealt with that. But is, I will say, yeah. my childhood was hard. Yeah, And yeah. in if you've experienced having your mom lose somebody while you're still around right. and then, like, having to take care of my brother, yeah. which is a lot. So it's, it's hard because like there's compassion for that, but there's not necessarily compassion for the abandoned child. Right.
0: Right. And then, you know, I think that's the, that's the problem is that we forget as children, because we're just thinking, we think again, like the mom is like all right. And they, they are just human right they have their own problems they have their own pain they have their own you know struggles and all these things and we idolize them so much so much to a point that when they're not perfect that's when we start you know or when they don't give us all that. the things we freak out and yeah. we we are hurt and mm-hmm. deeply hurt and i think you know going into adult relationships right with your mother you, it it becomes a little easier but there's always your little your inner child is always going to always ends up hurt right. by something your mom says to you or does or doesn't do and you're like you know you it, it when you feel triggered by it it's like no 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 just remember that's like little bobby that's little jessica being like but my mom doesn't love me or she why would she say that that's so mean or whatever right. it is and you know this is when I'm always like getting people to shift. I'm like, you gotta remember like your par- your mom is just a person, right? She's just a person. Just like you want to be the mom now that feels um, understood, supported and and have some like a life outside of being mom, right? So did your mom,
1: right right? Well, so did your mom. And my mom, what I came to realize is, Is it that there was a deep intrinsic wounding in her? She like I told her at one point that I had really idolized her when I was little and she could not connect with it. She did not see me as really idolizing her at any time. I think she just had a really hard time. I was a little bit harder of a child to raise. I was I'm a very emotional person. And I'm an old soul, so like there was Mm -hmm. all of that energy Mm -hmm. in this young person who couldn't process it, that sort of took it out on the world. And to my family, that looked like me being like you know malcontent and difficult when you you have all of this spiritual this energy coming Mm -hmm. through. It just made me like a Tasmanian devil.
0: The thing is, is like, and that's the thing is, she did not have the
1: tools. No, that's a fact. Right? Well, well, her mom
0: it. had her 11 mom
1: kids and was 11 Mormon. kids. Like
0: she was literally in survival mode. Like that all is some survival. That's like, that's like a litter. I can't even imagine having that many children.
1: Well, and the thing is, is that they <laughs> like, didn't oh have the birth control. They didn't have oh the awareness. To, and that was part of the church's yeah. mainframe yeah. is that you're going to have all of these kids. And so, I do genuinely have compassion, even though my grandmother and I were at odds. Like the one time she told my grandfather off, I was there, and so mm. I she I sort of empowered her mm-hmm. in some ways yeah. to kind of shed, you know, some of that old stuff. And it yeah. came later in life, but it was a very awesome thing to witness after awesome. seeing her just listen to him just and just put up it with it and
0: just take the like abuse of
1: right. And you know, they are. A part of who I am in this, like, so, like, like I said about my grandfather, the interesting thing about my grandfather is he was born on, um, March 12th, which is my ascendant. Okay. So I really feel like whatever work they were doing, whatever work my parents are doing has come Mm -hmm. out into, you know, Jessica and like what I do as a person and how I take these generational patterns and try to play them out of like... This person did the best they could. Yeah. Let me look at, look at this, right? Because like I said, I don't have a relationship with so much my mom's family because they're living that white privilege, you know, and they, they can live in that world and that's okay, for, I guess, you know, but yeah. I don't live there Yeah. and I want to bring awareness to the world. So
0: this is how, but this is the thing. So going back to your session... Um, mm-hmm. you didn't fire your mom, though. No. You thought about it. You thought you—that's what I you thought, thought, I thought would... you were going to. I do. didn't. So I in didn't, the end, you never really built any sort of inner mother thing. So how do you? For me, like, I kept my mom, and with caveats, there was rules, and she agreed to them. She had to agree to them. Um, but it was a very interesting experience because my mom's not even alive. Right. Right. So, and I'm going by, it's so interesting, the etheric plane communication stuff, especially with someone that is, that is past. And I was seven. So when you go, it's weird what you think you're going to experience, I'm expecting that when I communicate with my mom, it's going to be like me as a seven year old, but it's me now. And our, our whole thing was like around me living the life she didn't get to live. And that was intense. I did not know that's what was coming up, but I had guilt. There was some sort of survivor's guilt there because, you know, she was murdered hitchhiking. She wanted to take me. I used to hitchhike with her. I hitchhiked oh back and forth across Thank this God. country. By the time I was six years old, I had been hitchhiking across the country, like in truckers. Truckers would pick us up. I it mean, just like, looks like,
1: so you're so your aquarian It's <laughs> so
0: ridiculous. So, yeah. And my dad was like, no, she's not going. And, and which I mean, but there's something about something in me always thought, Oh, maybe if I had gone, she would still be here, right? It's like the survivor's guilt that came up. And then what ended up happening was like, it was more like she wasn't a guilt. She was just like, because I think even at that point, she was what, 40? she was my age. She was 42 when she died, right? And she hadn't had the life that she had planned in her head because her mental illness really was what triggered her her life not being what she wanted. Right. right. And she was bipolar and schizophrenic. Well, and back in those days
1: when you had children, it really cut off your ability to, uh, to do about- anything. Right.
0: Right. She, I mean, my older sisters, I have two older half sisters and they were born in like mid sixties. Yeah. Right. So yeah, as soon as she was pregnant at 18, her life was over.
1: Right. Right. There was no sense of her. especially
0: because super religious. Um, I'm not exactly sure what religion they they lived in this tiny town in Chicago, in outside of Chicago called Lamont, Illinois. And there's like this tiny town has like seven different churches, all different religions. In this, I mean, the town's like thousand people. Like I'm like okay, so. You need all these churches in this one. It was, it's a weird place. So her life was over. She was 18 and her life is over now. She's pregnant. She doesn't get to do anything. So the conversation on the etheric plane with her was you kind of this anger at me, not not because I've lived, but because I'm living a life that she didn't get to live. Right. And it was, it was weird and, and also not surprising, you know, in how I remember my mom, because when you have a mentally ill mother, there is like a sort of narcissistic thing that goes along with that. Right. They, they can't, I don't remember a lot of nurturing, um, and necessarily like, I mean, we had, like, I have a couple, like good memories and then I have like a lot of like weird ones because right. she was not right in the head right. right and it's just me and her and I'm like people let me live with this woman for that long like on my own like she like note what right. right in a weird way like I would have been and we lived down in the middle of nowhere it was just weird it was just weird and not very safe not that I was completely unsafe but I was like if you really, if I really think about it, I'm like, wow, well, I don't. I, that was probably not the most ideal person to be around as a mother, right? Right. Um, and like I have a a, a I had a little a, a little brother half brother, his dad got custody of him, and I'm like.
1: Why didn't he take me?
0: No, <laughs> right? Like, it's like, because he recognized that this woman cannot raise children. She should not and be raising. And it's
1: sad because the mental illness is what caused probably the unplanned all of yes. pregnancies all of and this. all of that stuff, which all is can, you know, kind of goes back to the horribleness of this overturning Right, we're going to have a lot because... of women
0: that end up in these situations. They are not
1: mentally... Right, so they don't think about using birth control or condom because their minds, like if you're on methamphetamines, right, you're not thinking with all of your capacities. And it's, I kind of equate some of those things to, to that rush of drugs of like people who are bipolar, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're really, really high and really, really low. Yes, they get
0: manic and And they're like, yeah, let's just have babies. I've known I don't even think they
1: do that. They're, they're more like, let me just not think about my safety because they can't.
0: Yeah. Well, what I know about what I've experienced in the people that I know that are bipolar, they do go through phases, especially the women, mm-hmm. where they're like, I want to have babies. Oh. They really do. They go out to get pregnant. Like it's,
1: it, it's a weird, i was just I've thinking about it. it more on the like, they're, I'm not going to take also, care of myself, Well, but there's, so there's also that, that, that
0: too. too. Right. There is that. And that, it's like, like,
1: that's a temporary thing to say, reckless, I want to have a baby and yeah. then raise one for like, you know, it's a years. reckless.
0: Yeah. They definitely go into like when they're in their manic state of like that reckless choices. Right. Mm-hmm. They do, you know, the, the large, they, they make poor financial decisions and they buy all these weird things and they do all this really risky, risky stuff. Right. But yeah, having a baby can be one of those in that because I have other family Plus members. Plus triggers
1: the depression.
0: Yes. The, and then they're, they go right. down and then now they have a kid. And they're like, right. you know. So, and if they are medicated, they have to get off medication to have a baby. I have a lot of family that is um, bipolar. <laughs> so this is how, I mean, I have, mo- I have a lot, I have quite a few nieces and nephews. Um, ones that I don't even think I know about um from one of my sisters and they have I have a I have a great great niece. Let that sit with you. Like that's that's lots of teen pregnancies. Mm -hmm. Right. We're talking sort of middle of the country right family. Um there's nothing to do out there. Right. (laughs) Right. They're like and they and and they're making reckless decisions because they're mental illness. right? Right. There's and then They also, a lot of this mental illness plays into, I'm thinking of one person in particular in my family. She, her relationship with her mother was so volatile because they're both mentally, both of them are bipolar. And she had babies because she wanted that love that she didn't get from her mom, right? So this comes into play of the like, how do you, Give yourself the love, right, that you didn't get from your mom. How do you give it to yourself? Not by having an external child that you have to take care of, right, right that will love you unconditionally. That just perpetuates this mother wound because you're never going to get the same. Your mother can love you and be a fabulous mom, but that you have to hold, you have to love yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have to parent yourself. There has to be a point where you can check in with yourself and, and be like, okay, well, my inner mother is telling me right now that I need to take a nap. Right. Right. Well, (laughs) Or I, you know, I need to, I need to go and take a walk. I need to, what, what, you know, you need to be able to like check in with yourself, with your inner mother that gives you that nourishment, that nurturing and that understanding and that unconditional love and, and all of that has to come internally from somewhere. And so that's what that inner mother is, right? Where they go in and it's sometimes it's June Cleaver that bakes them cookies. Sometimes it's pieces of grandma and an aunt and a whatever. For me, I ended up having, uh, two aunts and a grandmother that I ended up living with throughout my life. And I will pick and choose the things I like about, you know. But that's them. the great
1: thing about, you know, and even if your mom's still alive, like my mom is, you know, that. And I do a lot of like ethereal communication with her mm-hmm. because it's harder to have that one conversation. On one. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. people are in their own state of being, right? Yeah. And that's not always conducive to a conversation about like you do this and you do that to me. Yeah. But I have the tool to go on the ethereal plane. And I have had great conversations with my mom in that way. And it gives me insight into how to work with that energy. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't end up firing her then, and maybe because I feel like there's something to be worked out there. Well, and I think, I think you will,
0: you know, I had a client actually just yesterday, it, the conversation around, they're not going to be here forever. No. Right and as we age and they age there's something about the closure that has to happen and if they are in your real life and you really can talk to them i always tell people like really talk to them right but i do get the the etheric plane communication part of it is is so important cuz it empowers people i think it really empowers you and it's a good place to practice the conversation so even if You know, the energy does shift too in that etheric plane. So it's a good start to like a conversation that you might need to have in real life. Unless you have a really badly narcissistic parent that I'm like, do not talk to your mother ever again.
1: (laughs) That's not going to change, but bad. It's just, but I think it helps you organize
0: your thoughts around it. Organize your emotions. Organize. I don't think she's
1: receptive as much as some other people. Right. And it
0: it allows the shift to the energy shift to happen. And you might find that. I mean, because the thing is, is that you're bringing all the energy in anyway. So if your energy shifts on it, The whole thing shifts, Mm -hmm. right? You'll see your mother in a different light if your energy is that's
1: And that's that's where that
0: empathy comes from. You, You suddenly go, okay, my mom is just a human. She had this. And it's not making excuses for their actions, but it's also just being like, yeah, like this happened to her, this happened, and this is
1: where she well, was she, at. She and has, I, I think my mom is an ascended master in ways. Like I think she really brought a lot of challenge because you can see with people who have a lot of challenge, mm-hmm. they're not given that challenge for no reason.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I really embody the fact that my mom is probably moving up levels in this yeah. lifetime from yeah. all of the stuff that she's got now has my life been easy? No, but I probably chose that. So I just want right. to sit, talk a little right. about the astrology of that. Okay. And, and in an astrology, when I look at relationships with parents or whatever, or, mm even just a chart to see like what you signed up for. Mm -hmm. And I see these like problematic stuff. Like there's no way you wouldn't have that with your mom because like, for example, my moon is in Virgo in the seventh house. So my mom has really influenced my relationship. What's the seventh house? It's like relationships with other people. So that's like how other people see the (laughs) mirror of Jessica. Plus I have Pluto there Mm -hmm. and they're 18 degrees apart. And that's actually called a, it's called a verge, verge tile or something. Mm -hmm. And there's a symbiotic thing, usually when they're in the same house, but they're not they're not, if they're far enough away, they're not an aspect to each other. But this particular one means that they are an aspect. And it's sort of ruled by Virgo, which is where the moon is, whereas Pluto is in Libra. So I don't want to get too far into that because that's crazy, but but because of that, relationships are powerful transformation for me mm-hmm. and my mom and my relationship has been about transformation yeah. has been about, but the Virgo is very critical. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of mm-hmm. that inner dialogue from my mom Yes, about, you know, yeah. back at a time when she was very critical of herself. Yeah, And so that sort of came over onto me yeah. and I'm sort of working through that, but there is a gift in that, yeah. that, that criticalness, which has kept me alive and safe. And mm-hmm. able to kind of like, I'm just as an example, like when I got sober, I ended up staying clean because I didn't want to tell anybody that I had relapsed. But that- <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but, but Fair enough. But, but it's that Not a bad reason. And that, that, that <laughs> yeah. critical, that way of not wanting to admit I was yes. wrong that kept yeah. me safe in that way. Yeah. Now yeah. after, you know, 19 years mm-hmm. of being clean and sober, it's sort of second nature to me what you were
0: telling me something about my moon being in moon, the fourth house in the fourth house and so when we talk about the moon and this you know I know we talked about this in tarot our tarot class recently when the moon came up it's kind of like a it was like we were all like well the moon I don't know blah blah, blah. it's kind of a very when you read about the tarot moon card it's such a very uneventful card but we were like as we started talking actually about it it's got a negative connotation it, it really read. has a, a a very negative female connotation right, right because that's the thing and that- this is where we're and so it's so funny because the tarot needs to change mm-hmm that needs to change. That's 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 how ingrained this is in a weird way. It's a
1: way because like I look at the like and I kind of thought about this after the fact, the sun and the moon are different ways of dealing with things, mm-hmm. right? Or at least a different dynamic just like the sun and the moon in your chart, right? Yeah. So the moon yeah. is about your emotions. Now, as a society, we want to shun people and get them to ignore their emotions a lot of the time. Yeah. Right, like yo, you're being too emotional. Right. and if you look at the moon card, that is exactly what it says. Like, oh, you know, delusion, mm-hmm. you know. But it is this different way of dealing internally with things, right? right? Sort of like right. the hermit and the moon are actually connected. So, it, I mean, to you,
0: the moon, and I think it makes. I think it it makes a very good because I think of the moon is very feminine, so I think of the moon very motherly right? So for you, when you're doing astrology, the moon makes sense as sort of the representation of like a
1: motherly... Yes and no. Part of the moon is so much more than just that nurture. It's mm-hmm. like the subconscious shadow part of us, right? But it's also the thing that we don't really access in normal life, right? Mm-hmm. Like the part of our... Mm-hmm. W- whatever that is, mm-hmm. right? So the sh- a lot of my shadow comes from the relationship I have with my mom yeah and the things that yeah. were acceptable and weren't and acceptable. so
0: what were you saying mine is in the fourth house which the fourth house is
1: like our backstage the fourth house is like our early childhood development yeah. where what we didn't get right because yeah. like we're all running around sort of like from dysfunctional homes but mm-hmm. also like what you were saying about hitchhiking and stuff that is very Aquarian Mm -hmm. you know, this bohemian lifestyle following the dead, my life, right? Like this sort of like making it your own, like, okay, here I have this mom. That's not really grounded. And not the typical mom, and she's giving you these experiences, which yeah. most people would just be like, Oh my god, and that's a very aquarian fourth house. Yeah. And how have you created it in your own life, right? Like yeah. you're not as on-grounded or as mentally ill as your mom was, but you don't have a typical home. Yeah. You're not like raising your kids to be like this cookie cutter. No, because
0: I wouldn't even know what that is. Right. I right, didn't right. even like I didn't even exp- like You know, and what was funny is, like I said, I lived with different aunts and my grandmother. And, you know, my, that whole side of my family is, and this is like my stepdad's side. So when my mom died, my stepdad adopted me. So this is his family that I'm talking about. My mom's side of the family would have totally, and they wanted me to come and live with them when my, my her sister, when my aunts wanted me to come live with her when my mom died. Um. And I look at that and that's what my life would have been. It would have been like the cookie cutter, blah blah blah, perfect, perfect,
1: perfect, whatever. But because you had Aquarian Fourth House, that didn't happen. I
0: (laughs) ended up over here in the my family is so funny because I do have I have one aunt that is very she's also a Capricorn and she 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 was always very she's the youngest of the four kids. And my dad was like the second oldest. So she's the youngest. So as the baby of the family, um, she never really lived with my grandfather, my grandmother and grandfather split. And my grandmother had all four kids and she was a physical therapist. She was the mom that was working Mm -hmm. and divorced in the fifties and sixties. And that was really uncommon. right? Right. So right there it's, um, start off like women just have to do the things they just have to do all the things so I was always you know seeing we just had a very matriarchal family like even like even now it's like every all the women ramp wore the pants right and both my aunts were stay-at-home moms which was really interesting because my grandmother was like a working mom so she wasn't around her kids were a shit show they were growing up in Marin in the 70s They were a shit show, right? But they there wasn't a choice. Grandma had to work. Like there was no nothing, nothing they could do. And there really wasn't. I don't know if there was daycare. I mean, I guess they probably had babysitters, but the babysitters were probably the worst influences, right? right? (laughs) Are you gonna have a teenager come watch a teenager in the late sixties, late sixties, right? Right. Yeah. A babysitter coming in, growing like a teenager in Marin in the late sixties. Yeah. No, you're probably better off leaving your kids by themselves. (laughs) Right. So I had a very like hippie. Yeah. My family followed the grateful dead. And like, you know, it's, a. I had a really interesting tumultuous childhood though, because there was alcohol and drugs and, and a dad who also is manic depressive and just, they have a lot of their own, Like my grandma, my grandfather was not a nice guy. He was just a really bad person. And they had a lot of their own abuse and, and sexual abuse. And, you know, it's, they came with all of that. And then there's me who's not even blood related to any of them. And they're having to, I'm basically adopted right into this family. And they're like, what do we do? What do we do with her? None of them had had kids yet. So, like, I'm the oldest of, like, all my cousins. Um, my little sister was around. She was four. She's four years younger than me. But, like, she's blood-related to my dad. She's blood-related to this whole family. And then there's me. Right. And I'm just, like, this adopted stepchild kind of, like, coming in. And I'm, like, the practice
1: sure. and- child,
0: right? All of my cousins have such different, like, realities than what I was witnessing like I'm like oh you don't even really know your parents do you like he, you really didn't know your dad did like all of this like they they were playing the parent role right. with those kids but with me it was like well we don't really have to be like s- total parents we're kind of like um, you, we're just like guardians that are kind of watching like making sure you're not like completely falling apart but like there's a lot of hands off
1: right
0: and then I look at my cousins who are like helicoptered
1: right right
0: <laughs> well and that's just the funny that was part the practice they about, were like that didn't work so we better go the
1: other way <laughs> about having this Aquarian experience because like a lot of Aquarius's like sun signs feel like sort of like the alien in the room right yeah. and so you yeah. sort of had that in your emotional life where you know, your mom was gone and not by anything that you could have controlled. And here you are as being raised as sort of the adult, because you have that very Capricornian, like, I'm fine. Yeah. And I'm very grounded. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, here you are sort of living out this, like, totally. And that's probably for a purpose of, like, your true purpose is to be, that person that recognizes things from way different perspectives as an aquarius would right and mm-hmm. being able to have that emotional upbringing of like really being independent and self-reliant yeah. at such a young age where
0: well i got the messages really quick like i get the messages on what pe- when i have clients in front of me i there i can see the sure. dysfunction really- well, like, because, yeah, right, because you were immersed right, in it. And you've I'm, had that
1: outside, non biased reaction. Right. To like, it I can in look, your look own
0: at life. anybody's dysfunction and be like, not even surprised or <laughs> not even freaked out. Like, people get, you know, they're nervous to talk about the secrets of their childhood. Yeah. Right. They're nervous. They don't want to come because it's been. You keep this quiet or like there's shame and there's all the things, right? All those negative emotions. You should tell everybody
1: how to work with you because I'm sure a lot of people want to. So
0: if you want to just schedule a 30-minute consultation, see if it works for you, it's bobbylarson.com. And also, um, well, I'll let you introduce
1: yourself. How do we work with you? I'm Jessica. I own Asteria Awakenings. You can go to www.asteriaawakenings.com. You can book appointment an appointment right there. Or you can go and find us on Instagram. We have I'm Asteria Awakenings, Bobby Larson, Hypnotherapy. Or you can find our podcast, The Alchemical Goat Podcast. And then
0: also, if you are up in Northern California and around you know, and want to meet us in person, we're both going to be at the Summer Witches Market at the Cloverdale Fairgrounds, June 18th. It goes from 11 to 3. Um, and we'll both be doing some sort of sessions there. Yeah, um, I'll be and, doing you know, that's a good place to come and just, like, meet us. We'd love for people to come and, like, be like, I heard you on your podcast. That would be
1: awesome. <laughs> I hope we're that big yet. <laughs> Um, thank you everyone. Thank you so much for stopping by and we'll see you next week. Thank you.